everyone and welcome back to another episode of the virtual coffee break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. This third season continues to get better with new topics and new guests that join the program every single week. So make sure to share this program and don't miss an episode. As always, we're interested in learning if this program has helped you learn new things or implement changes on your farm. If this is the case, please write us and let us know. We can be reached by email at carrasq1 at msu.edu. You can also write us to get more information on the discussed topics or to get help implementing some of these ideas on your operation. Let's transition to today's episode that it's about transition cows. Senior educator Phil Durst will visit Bonning's Dairy Farm and talk with Norm Bonning, a dairy farmer from Falmouth, Michigan. They will focus on how Bunnings manages their transition cows and what changes has helped them being successful during this critical time in the cycle of a dairy cow. Let's get to the farm. Hey, we're here with Norm Bunning at Bunning Dairy in Falmouth, Michigan. Norm, thanks for the opportunity to be here and talk about transition cow management that you do on your farm. Glad to have you. Thank you. Norm, tell us a little bit about the farm. Well, we're a soon-to-be fifth-generation farm. Been in business since 1903, milking 650 milk cows and keeping all of our own heifers. So we want to talk about transition cow management. And, you know, people will put boundaries on when transition period is. But whether those boundaries are, are three before to three weeks after calving or, or something like that, but really transition cow management begins long before that. So let's talk about when when we start thinking about transition cow, because I think it's important to prepare ourselves for that transition period. Well, the, the cow is, the way they're managed now, they're, they go from a breeding pen, they're called pregnant, they go into a bred cow pen, which is definitely tamed down as far as the nutritional value. We try not to have the cow put on weight and late lactation as she tails off in, in milk. So that's definitely a consideration for looking forward towards the dry period. All right, so you're starting to manage the body condition of that cow even just after she's bred, after she's confirmed pregnant, you're starting to manage the body condition of the cow thinking ahead to the dry period of the next lactation. Right, it's a double-edged. Uh, we're looking to save a little money on feed as she tapers off in milk mm -hmm. and manage the weight. Let's talk about the dry period and what your goals are in the dry period. Our, our goal through the dry period is to have a cow that maintains her weight but does not lose any maintains body condition, and that will transition her into the, the next phase of close-up group. Now, as we were talking, you were telling me about your dry period length, which is now 60 days theoretical dry period length. But that's been a change. So let's talk about the change, what you were doing before, the change and why you changed, and, and, and the reason that you changed. Before we our dry period, was, we thought we were doing a 60-day dry period but with drying off once a week, it ended up being like a 54 to 60 day, and it really impacted our second lactation cows. Felt like that we were shorting them. So now it's like 60 to 66 day dry period, depending on how the week falls. All right, so because you dry off once a week, you have to consider what days cows are actually dry, how many days cows are actually dry, and you've upped that by a week uh, in order to, to have a more theoretical 60 day dry period. Yes. So 
you looked at, at the uh, production records of cows and saw that, that they were really affected by that shorter dry period in the herd here. It was a analysis done through our feed team and us, and I mean, we we felt like maybe our second lactation cows were, weren't pulling their weight, and we kind of started talking with our feed guys about it, and and they, they helped us with more in-depth analysis of that. Good to see a problem and then to investigate the problem. Mm-hmm. And then to make a change based on that. And that's you know, certainly um, what we want to always do is be cognizant of anything that's not seeming right, investigate the, whether there really is a problem there, and then make a change and then monitor that to make sure that, that we've corrected that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you've talked a little bit about the fact that you, you dry off once a week. What are the reasons that you dry off once a week? Uh, reason number one is the social aspect of it. We're strong believers in the social side of dairy cows. Uh, pen strengths, pecking order, uh, and then the other reason is just con- combine our labor. So as you concentrate your labor, you're also helping cows deal with the fact that change is occurring, but it only occurs once a week, right. and and that's when they have to respond to that change in the in the in the crowd. There was a time where we would dry off just two cows, whenever the day was, and now we we do a larger group. And it spreads out the pin. That not just one one cow gets picked on. Yeah. So then your close-up group. Um, you have some goals for how long you want cows to be in the close-up group. Talk to us about that. We like uh, we like heifers to be in two-year-olds to be in the close-up group a minimum of twenty-one days. We figure it takes a week for them to get acclimated to the group, and then they still have fourteen days to transition towards calving. Mm-hmm. Milk cows are. Depending on the, how the week falls, 18 to 24 days, except for cows that carry twins, which would be 28 days, four weeks. So you want those uh, cows carrying twins to be in there longer. Correct. Because? Because they calve sooner, on average. We were also talking about the, the density of cows in, in your close-up pen and, and the fact that that's affected by your, your breeding program. You want to talk to us about that a little bit? We breed every Friday on double opposite and preg rates are really doing well, but it creates big loads of cattle in, in, in nine months. So the pin has huge waves that go through it and slugs, and it creates some real serious management challenges. So we could talk about what the average is, but the average doesn't really mean much because there's these slugs of groups of cattle going through the close-up dry pen. And... And although what we want is, is animals that have plenty of access to feed, there are times when, when frankly, access to stalls and, and access to feed is less because of the, the number of animals going through there. Correct. How do you manage that risk? How do you well, manage that problem? Depending on the size of the group, there's been some times that we've, we've shortened a few days on the close-up pen against our better judgment, but it's the lesser of two evils. That's probably the biggest thing. Definitely don't want to short the cows on days, but we feel that maybe a few less days is better than an overcrowded, yeah. overcrowded barn. Tell me about uh, having somebody else cat out some of those cows one time. Well, we had a we had an outsink day that we knocked it out of the park. We had 30 cows due on one day. So we contacted a neighbor who had an empty barn. It was a former dairyman, good dairyman and asked him if he'd be willing to handle those cows for a month. And he was gracious enough to do it. He kept all of them out for us successfully and was happy to see them all leave. So. 
but it helps you out in a time when, when you really had too many animals together at one place. And, yes. and that was a way to handle that. Great idea. It was it was a blessing. He, he got us out of a serious bind. Yeah. We were looking at maybe just cabin them outside. We didn't want to do that. And this worked out. Let's talk about your, your calving area, uh, which is part of your close-up dry pen. There's not too many places on this farm that hasn't been retroed in one way or another over time, but this was a typical four-row barn head-to-head that we took the, the backside stalls out, took the curb out, re-poured the cement, and we just have, or we bed the backside with straw. And the cows have a choice of sand-bedded stalls in the front on the feed alley. Or they can go around and choose to lay in the straw in the back and calve in the straw. So they choose when they go to the straw? Most of the time, yes. Sometimes when they're starting to calve, we have to push them to the back, encourage them to go to the back. And then we have tip gates that come down and pins them back there. So, so how has that worked for you? Outstanding. One of the things we've done right, I think. I, I'm not saying it would work everywhere, but it's, it's worked very well for us. It's cut our calving, our DOAs significantly. It's easy to manage, easy for our labor. Uh, we have places in there that we can lock, lock them up if we need to work with one. So that's been, been a good step for us. Good. And it was pretty simple, but it, it gives, in some ways, the best of both worlds. The efficiency of managing cows in, in, a, in a free stall, but the, uh, the opportunity for them to, to go. In. And, and I believe you said that when a cow gets near calving, she just is more likely to, to go and lay down in the, in the pack area. Well, when they get big and heavy, they, they take a lot of room, and uh, they'll often go back there and lay down and maybe lay on their side. Or The sun comes through the side in the winter, and they can get some of that heat, and they, they like that, and it just seems very comfortable to them. So then from there, they go to a, a fresh group. Let's talk about how long the cows are in that fresh group. Unless the cows had an issue, we like to have them out by... 10 days. Uh, if she's 8 days and she's had no issues, we're not opposed to moving her out. If she's had uh, some treatments or whatnot, she might stay in for till 14 days. But we encourage them to get out, get in the high group, and keep moving. Right, because you had a time where you were trying to keep them in that fresh group three weeks. And um, what was the deal with that? Well, we continually learned. Uh, we just thought that we had to watch them for three weeks. And we, we were holding them back milk-wise, and we also, by 14 to 15 days, we started running into some serious ketosis issues because she was eating the wrong ration. She was milking, she was working hard, and then the ration wasn't made for her, so she started pulling weight off her back. So by shortening the time they're in there, when they're doing fine, when they're eating, when they're ruminating, when they're not having health problems, kicking them into the higher to the high group, which has a higher energy ration, met their needs better and, and reduced ketosis uh, at that point. It was uh, it was an easy fix. Now, there there has been times we've had to pull cows back. It's very rare, but it does happen. It was just a matter of the cows are ready to, ready to milk, and we weren't allowing them to do that. Yeah. So let's talk about some uh, health problems, early lactation, that sometimes will plague uh, farms, metritis, uh, mastitis. How, how do you work to, to reduce those, those problems? Um, Betritis, we, we work hard with our nutritionists to keep our decads right so they clean. Of course, if we have a twin cow, those cows can challenge that. But if you can get them clean, and they'll quite often just take off. 
mastitis, it's about cleanliness, good udder prep, uh, keeping the cabin pin clean, which can honestly be a challenge during times of very successful offsing days. Wintertime is especially challenging with the barn is closed and there's a lot of moisture. Summertime, we get we find that the pin stays very dry, just naturally. So, so your your success with um, preventing retritis and mastitis or er, er, lactation is good. I don't think you'd ever be happy with that or content. Uh, always room for improvement, but it has not been bad. I think that's what you said about your DOA rate as well, too. DOA rates are acceptable by industry, but we're we strive for zero. Uh, doesn't mean anybody gets in trouble when we have one, because it happens. Often when we get one, we often stand around and ask, what well, could we have done different? Should we have done different? Did we start too soon? Did we wait too long? You get better by talking about it. I think that's a critical issue, is that we don't accept it as normal. We say, what could be done different, and, uh, and learn from it, and, and, and then strive for better. There's often presentation issues. A person can only do so much. We don't do C-sections as a rule. It's never fun pulling a calf out of the barn. As you think about transition cow management, is there anything that you'd encourage other farmers to, to keep in mind? Well, the, the drum that I beat is the most is the social side of, of dairy cows. They are very social. They don't like change. Make your changes small as, as you're able. They, uh, they like group to be stable, which we're not at a size that we can do that. So keep our changes small and try and give them room so the heifers don't get beat up. We try and grow our heifers, but they're still there's still a maturity factor there that they, they give up when they when they go in that group. I, I'm I'm a very I'm a big very big fan of uh, giving a cow room so she doesn't have to uh, compete with the, the older more mature cows or a heifer room. We could call that animal well-being. We could say that what you're, what you're really promoting is, is the animal well-being and the natural expression of an animal's personality and the protection from, from the things that she's afraid of. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think what we could say is, is, in fact, that as you put an emphasis on the social aspect of, of cows and groups, that, that you're most concerned that cows do well for themselves and, and they do well because their, their needs are being taken care of and their fears are being met. No, thank you for allowing us to come out here today and to talk with you about transition cow management. Obviously, there's always things we can do. There's always changes we can make. But uh, you know, it's good to talk with somebody in the, in the midst of continually becoming better in this area uh, for the benefit of the farm and for the benefit of the cows. Glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Norm and Phil, for the great ideas shared in the episode today. Remember that this and all previous episodes are always available, so make sure to share them and enjoy past episodes that you might have missed. Next, we will have a bonus surprise episode that will be dropping before our next scheduled episode. It's regarding a timely, very important topic that we feel it's an important discussion for all of those involved in the dairy industry. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening today and I hope you'll join us then. Thank you.